Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Drafting the Circus program on the Hoobazoo Radio Network, brought to you by Dan Blay Racing Art and FirstSuperSpeedway.com. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing, this week in racing, as we've got practice for the Indianapolis all through the week, and uh, we'll preview next week. Joining me in the studio is Louise Torres. Louise, how are you? Been, do, been doing all right. Focus on Texas this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Well, just the two of us tonight. We've got Richard is off on assignment. He's at Gateway Motorsports Park doing some work with Goodyear Tires. And uh, Joey's on assignment in Indianapolis enjoying the rain. So uh, just you and me tonight. So let's start with, speaking of rain, we got our first chance to see IndyCars with the windscreen running in the rain. And that was at the GMR Grand Prix at the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course. Um at the end of the day, it was Colton Herta taking the win. And, and unfortunately, Richard's not here to bash Colton Herta because, uh, I, I, honestly, this is the kind of drive out of Colton Herta that, uh, that, that we need to see. That Richard's have been saying we need to see more of this. I, I, Herta was the first guy to switch from rain tires to slicks. Uh, you know, he had a couple of hairy moments out there trying to hold it together. Uh, but, you know, as the track uh, conditions kind of leaned his way, you know, in, in making that move, he leapfrogged from 14th to uh, leading the race. And then he was able to just nail the strategy, you know, between him and his team, nail the strategy uh, the rest of the day and then pull off the win there. Oh, for sure. And we've talked about it for months. It seems like if, if the pressure has been always calling her as Achilles, he always, he always wants to fight for the win. And even when he's not in the position to win, he still wants to do everything he can to get up there. Even if it's, even if it is out of reach and more often than not, when he's put under that pressure, he'll make mistakes like costly ones. We saw it in Long Beach multiple times. We saw it at Barber. We saw it in Nashville at the very beginning of the race, it seems like Herta was going to lose it, probably get stuck or damage the car or be done. No, he somehow initial deed the corner saved it and, and got it going. It is not, it is one of two major saves in the world of racing that weekend. We'll talk about the second one later, but I said to myself, what I was watching it, well, 
there's no way Colin Herder will lose now. If he say, the way he said it, it's got to go his way somehow. And lo and behold, Lady Luck favored Colton. And, and strategy indeed worked to his advantage. His teammate, on the other hand, Alexander Rossi, he tried something different and completely backfired. And he did it in his own way. He felt that's his own choice. So, no, let me go with this direction. And it looked like it was going to work, but it just didn't. It was not timed well. And because of the persistent weather, it became a race against time because the constant talk oh, the thunderstorm. When is lightning going to strike? That's going to stop the race. And we're going to race the halfway. But those number of full course cautions at the beginning, it, it, it slowly became like they're not racing for 85 laps. They're going to A, run their halfway, which is past lap 43, or the two hour time window. Fortunately, there was no lightning. Some, some of those cautions seemed excessively long, you know, and, and yeah. again, and when we've seen this kind of. And it threw uh, Hitchcliffe in, it threw Hitchcliffe off on commentary. Yeah, but but we, we've seen this kind of thing from IndyCar before where they take a, a they, you know, they do a reasonable, you know, job getting the thing cleaned up quickly, but they take a ridiculously long amount of time to reset the field or, or get the field in the order that they need them or, or you know, and it's just you're burning off, uh, burning laps off the um, advertised distance, which is in a sense. You're going to have some of that, but but when it gets to the point where you just think, golly, this is just ridiculous how long this is going on, and you feel like you're you're taking money out of your paying customers' pockets that are sitting out there in their ponchos in the rain, you know? And I don't know if it's just that the um, the the officiating and the, the they can't get it right, but, you know, with today's, you know, day and age, digital scoring stuff, it shouldn't take us that long to, to reorder the field. Not, there's two things you got to consider. There was also a couple of spins during the full course caution that kind of messed up the running order quite a bit. And also, I think this was the first race where they had the digital boards, the LED, like what they use in Formula One to indicate there's a safety car rather than just fully rely on corner marshals. Yeah, you still had a couple, but this was really the first true event where you had those LED boards telling the drivers there's a full course caution. And you mentioned it earlier with the aero screen, that proved to be a challenge because we really have not had that much rain in a long time. It's been a while. And you heard it from think, the driver. Yeah, I don't think we've had a rain race uh, since we put the screens on. No, not with. No, I think was St. Pete has threatening weather. And for the most part, it was harm's way out of harm's way. So the last time we had a, a, a wet race was in Detroit back in. 19 yeah where marco yeah. was on the dries yeah and of course colton kind of repeated that that feat a little bit i, I again i just uh, you know we uh we say a lot of disparaging things about colton herta uh, on this show at times and you know at the same time we all have a great deal of respect for him on a driver but i i, I want to say he's moved up several notches um you know on my radar with this uh, performance this past weekend oh yeah and that's what you and that's what he need. What he needs to do is have more of that, where it shows that yeah, he can. He knows how to do kind of a car under weirdest circumstances, and he did that. When it comes to speed, like we mentioned, once he's out in front, nobody can stop him. When you put him in a pressure situation, that's where his main weakness is. And in the rain, that was the greatest pressure he had, and he capitalized it. For once, he capitalized a scenario where. 
In previous races, it probably would not end well. The question is, can he carry that forward for the rest of the season to where he can be? Because I see he's just moved back to the top 10 of the championship trail. On right. a week, yeah, speaking of the top 10, everyone but one driver had issues, whether there was a spin or wreck or Dixon's case fuel spinning twice, the car got stuck, wing damage that they, I think Marcus Erickson had to go through. Only Will Power looked to me the only one that had no legit problems at any point in the Grand Prix race. Right. Because and Will Power is now the new points leader. Yep. With which, that which, which, finish. Yeah, which for Will is, uh, you know, because he's, you know, the time that he's fought for the championship, I've always felt like he's been, you know, trying to fight his way back up, right? You know, all the years he was trying to catch Dario or the, the year he was trying to catch Hunter Ray, you know, then when he finally did win the thing, I, I think his in 14 is his season didn't start out great, but this year he's off to a, he hasn't won a race, but he's not finished lower than fourth in any race this year. He's now leading the points. He's looking as solid as ever. He's looking as professional as ever. And we're heading to the Indianapolis motor speedway for the 500 where there are qualifying points on the line and double points on the line. And um, here's a race that will has performed well in and a race that will has won, and a race that he's qualified well at. So, you know, I just, and that's every, the big everybody else might, mark. might, might want to watch out for will power. Yeah. And that's the big question about qualifying. I know the past couple 500s qualifying has not been good to Penske. If power puts that in the, in the round of 12, and then ultimately gets it to the fast six. You got to look at Will Power being a true contender for the 500. And, and if he has a great rest of the month, he, he'll he be a legit title contender. That could all make the difference when you really think about it. Or in the case of going back to Herta, if he has a great, a solid 500, and that's going to be a big question mark. That's a huge unknown right now. He'll be back in the title mix. But you got those stuff you got to think about, but yeah, willpower is the is kind of let the race come to you, and that and has gone extraordinarily well. While guys like Graham Rahal, Alex Pillow, Renas VK, Roman Grosjean all had their problems of their own, quietly, power was staying out. Yeah, he didn't let a lot, he won the pole, which keeps which is now three away from time Mario. Some people were to say 64 plus one because of the non-championship race of Surface Paradise in 08. But that's a different story for another time. But great run. Another one's that you got to look at a side, the man who finished ahead of him, Simon Pagano in the Meyer Shank car. The 60 car has always done well with Jack Harvey at the Grand Prix, but never could fully put up a race result that matches the qualifying. And well, of course, Simon has, he's a two-time winner of the Grand Prix as well. Yep. Uh, he, he won his, no, I almost said he won his first race. I think he went, won his first race in Detroit. Yeah, in but, the but, he, but, but, but he certainly, he was, uh, he won, he's won the Grand Prix twice, once for um, Schmidt and then once with uh, Pesky. So, uh, again, great track for him. Great result for him. Again, heading into the 500, um, you know, race that he's won, a race that Meyer Shank won last year. So, all good mojo for that team as well. Oh, yeah, I say he's a definite sleeper for the 500. I know in the preseason, I have Pagano as my winner of the 500. Do I still think that way? We'll see by next weekend or so. But another one that really needed a perfect Grand Prix weekend, Connor Daly. 
he finally put one together. I know we also talked about him not necessarily living up to the opportunities being given, but this time around, not only he qualified, he put it in the fast six, finished in the top five, which he hasn't done since 2018. He, yeah, Connor looks like he's, and the funny thing is, this is coming on the heels uh, of an interview he gave to, I believe it was Racer Magazine, where, where he, he made some comments that he just can't figure out the, the arrow screen. He, yeah, he said that uh, the, the driving with the arrow screen era in the arrow screen era just does not suit my driving style. You know, which prompted other people to say, well, what's been your excuse before that? Because honestly, we're, we're, we're talking about a guy who's, uh, you know, he won a pole in an aero screen car. It was, yeah, Connor, it's kind of funny. He brought it. I was like, I know it was a road course, completely different things. But when it comes to the aero screen, he got a pole with one inside of those cars in 2020. So that's interesting you bring that up. Well, it's interesting that he, you know, just before he has you know, arguably his best performance in a number of years, he's out here making excuses as to why he's not performing. So, and the thing is, you know, at the end of the day, when you say, you know, you make excuses about the error screen and, and, and the thing that about Connor Daly, right. That pisses me off. And it's not about Connor Daly that pisses me off. It's Connor Daly's fans that piss me off. And I'm probably going to piss them off by saying this, but the, the, the people go to the ends of the earth to defend him. Right. It's oh, well, he doesn't have a full time ride. Right. He's 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 in two different teams. Well, now he does have a full term and he's had a full time ride. And the, the times when he has had a full time ride, his his best finish in the championship is 18th. Um, you know, they said, well, Connor's in inferior equipment. He's he's, you know, driving for. Ed Carpenter and he's instead of Roger Penske, I'm like, well, you know, hard to hard to hard to hard to hard to yeah, I was gonna say hard to swallow that one. VK has won a race, four podiums, and a pole in the same amount of time that Connor's been with the Carpenter team. So it just people keep defending Connor, but but these are the kind of things that Connor needs to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just put in a solid. I mean, he put in a solid performance all weekend through practice, through qualifying and in the race, you know, finishing, starting fourth. I mean, when's the last time Connor Daly was in the fast six, right? You know? Yeah, we're talking about so, fast six, not not when he won the pole for Carlin because there was no fast anything. It was because during the pandemic, it was just lap one for race one and lap two for race number two. Yes. Right, so on and so forth. Yeah, that was uh, that was the Texas. Iowa. Iowa, Iowa. Yeah. So yeah, remember that odd little qualifying format. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I mean, but good for Connor. And again, uh, last year at the 500, he did lead the most laps, which was 40, you know, which is, uh, you know, not a ton of laps to lead, but he did, you know, look pretty solid at the front, um, in the 500 last year. So, uh, you know, we know he, he knows his way around the track and we know Carpenter is perfectly capable of, of giving a guy a very good car for uh, the 500. You know, we've Ed's led a number of laps there. Ed's got a second place finish. Uh, VK led a bunch of laps last year. Uh, VK qualified on the front row last year. So uh, this could be, this could be that turning point that Connor Daly needs. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's suddenly, the switch has come on. He's figured out what he's doing wrong with the, the arrow screen that, that affects his driving style. But uh, I was truly impressed 
with uh, Connor Daly this weekend. Well, so. for sure, he stood out, and I think with the momentum and the hungry determination of being up front in last year's fight until the front wing damp cone got damaged because of Ram Rahal's loose wheel, that kind of set him back a bit, and as was a number of drivers. At Carpenter Racing, should will definitely be in the mix. When it comes to their no-toe speed, they were on the top of the board as we transition to practice because that's the one thing that stood out as a carpenter and when it comes to no toe they were right up there with toe and honestly overall i think you got to go through ganassi right now oh uh yeah no doubt no well and of course you know right at the end of the day sato set fast time and huh. sato has proven to us that He's a guy. Don't count him out at Indianapolis. You know, doesn't matter what car he's driving. He's going to find a way to do well. I was going to say that the man has two wins. He's got a near win in 2012. He's got a, I believe, a second place in in or third place in 18. So yeah, he's he's always strong at the speedway. He's all you know. He's he's run well there. Going back to about 20 2010, he had a, a good run there. You know, 20 2012, he should have won that thing. Uh, but yeah, so. Sato at the top of the charts. All the Ganassi cars looking good. Jimmy Johnson shutting all his critics down. Uh, you know, it's a shame that the second day of practice got washed out. But, uh, you know, the surprises, the surprises are for me uh, at the bottom of the charts. Ed Carpenter, 29th. Montoya, 30th. Rossi, 27th. Connor Daly, 28th. You yeah, know? And that's pretty much overall because they it's overall because with the toe like i mentioned right, no right. they're up there but with toe they were at the bottom and also andretti had a couple in the top right near in the first the top 10 or the top 11 and then you have another half at the bottom and once that stood out so far are those rookies which includes johnson for this race you had him up there david malukas so it's not just sato dale coin cars look pretty sporty they do look pretty good well honda edges in general look pretty good yeah if you look at it, you know, the top place Chevy in the, the practice was a uh, VK uh, who ran fifth. Uh, but yeah, it's funny that VK is fifth, but his teammates are down in 29th and 30th. So, uh, you know, and, and again, VK's guy sat on the front row last year mm-hmm. at Indy Indian led some laps. So there's another guy we need to look at. Now, speaking of VK and speaking of Colton Herta, these are two guys that can actually break a 70 year old record. At the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Do you know what record that is, Louise? Let's see, 70. It's in the 50s. Uh-huh. Okay. 70 years exactly. So 1952. Ooh, youngest winner in the Indy yes. 500 at yes. a by Troy Rudman. Yes, exactly. Right. These two guys will both be younger than Troy Rudman, age of 22 years, 80 days, um, when it comes to May 29th. Yeah. Interestingly enough, see, I'm, I'm in the middle of here. I am plugging my own work again. I'm in the middle of writing an article about records that uh, can be broken at the Indy 500 this year. Okay. With the obvious one being, we could have our first five-time winner, but the it, it's odd with so many young guys in racing and, and this big youth movement we've had, it's almost unfathomable that the, the record for youngest winner at the 500 has stood for 70 years, right? Mm-hmm. And because and largely because the, the, the speedway well, it rewards experience. 
right? And it rewards, uh, you know, the the cunning veterans. Look how many guys have won Indy 500s, and not just by luck, but by great performances um, over 40. You know, I'm talking about Sato, Castro Nevis, right? John Cock, uh, A.J. Foyt, Al Unser Sr., you know, all these guys, you know, winning over 40. Look at the guys in their late 30s that have put on great performances. You know, Simon, Will, um, Frank Heedy in, in his mid-30s. So, uh, yeah, the last really young guy to win the 500 was Rossi, who was 24 years, 257 days when he won. But the next youngest guy before him, how many years do you think got to go back? I had to go back probably to Rick Mears, I think. Nope, nope. keep going. Oh, geez, we have to go further back, aren't we? 1930. Jeez. I know, right? You got a couple guys that were close, right? Montoya was 25 when he won his first one. I, I want to say Del- Weldon was 25 going on 26. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but, but, you know, so if you think about this, right, you got two guys that are, that, could realistically break a 70 year old record uh, there and become the youngest winner in speedway history. So that's, that yeah. would, that would be neat to see. Here's another thing that stood that stands out as well. And I was thinking about it. If Johnson keeps that momentum for the rest of the weekend, finds a way to put it in and make it to the round of 12, then puts himself into the fast six and be a contention for the poll. There's only one man that has won both the Daytona and Indy 500 polls. That's A.J. Foyt. But what stands out should Johnson do it is that he and his he would win polls as a race rookie. Because we got to go back 20 years ago when he made his first Daytona 500. He led the field to the green. It was a, pretty much a Daytona 500 rookie front row because it was also Harvick's first Daytona 500. Because after what happened on February 18th, the year before. Okay so, so, okay, so Jimmy Johnson won the poll in the Daytona 500 as a rookie. Yep. And he's practicing quite well, so he's actually got a shot at winning polls for both of those as a rookie now, yeah. And join A.J. Ford as the only one to win Daytona and Indy polls. Well, now, Jimmy Johnson won the Daytona 500, has he not? He's won the race. Yes, he has. So he, so he could join Mario Andretti as the only guy to win the Daytona 500. And no, Foyt. Yeah, yeah. That's for did Foyt win the Daytona 500? Yep, with the Wood Brothers. Oh, that's right. Well, he would join both those guys then. So, but that's yes, yeah. that's, that's not a small feat, you know, to uh, win uh, Indian Daytona. So yeah, the the not just the race but qualifying. I mean, it is very rare. I was thinking the back of my mind, did Tony ever won the poll in the 500 at Daytona? No, he has the Indy 500 poll that was inherited because of what happened with Scott Brayton. At yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think count that as a poll for him. You know what I mean? That's really, uh, yeah, it's, he, he started, me he, started from, poll. he started from the pole position. Yeah. So, and 96 were just weird anyway, because the, the guy with the, you know, fastest speed set it on the second weekend. So that was line Dyke who started 20th. Yeah. So, so real, think- re- realistically, there were, you know, more than two guys that had qualified faster than, uh, than, um, so Stewart, yeah, look Stewart, at, so. yeah, look at 05. Kenny Breck was the fastest overall guy in qualifying, but he started around midfield because of, there's because they decided to run the next day and it just became better. It's just about at the time. It's just a matter of what day you ran it 
and the conditions being ideal for a faster lap a set of four lap averages. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the Indy 500 has always had, you know, just like Daytona 500 has weird qualifying rules too, where they have the qualifying races to set, you know, everybody after the front row. So, but um, yeah, even yeah. Speaking of that, like in 2000, like when I think when Casey Mears won the pole of the Brickyard in 04, he broke the, the previous track record holder was Brett Bodine in 2000, in a race that Ricky Rowe won the pole because Brett qualified the following day, second round qualifying, he was actually faster than the pole center. You had weird qual- qualifying has had weird rules and formats over the years. But we'll talk about a a rather unique qualifying format later. <laughs> yes, we will. So for now, let's. Uh, uh, is there any other takeaways from the GMR Grand Prix before we, you know, kind of preview the 500 a little bit, which we've already kind of started doing? But uh, I'm just trying to think of anything else we need to take away from the GMR race other than the the two rookies that finished in the top ten and crashed at the line. And those were Christian Lundgaard and Kalamila. Colum Island finally put up a in over an overall race weekend that backs up his practice and qualifying. Problem is, he still yet to full hundred percent have a clean race. No, that's what and naturally when it's raining, you cannot really see, and time is getting and the track is getting dimmer because it was getting pretty late as well. You sometimes you can't really control that much. And at the end of the race, Christian Lungard and Colum Island tangled coming at the line under caution because it ended after Montoya who was having a great run, stay out of trouble. And then he, he had an accident that ended the race. What was it? Nine to 10 laps short because of the two hour window. They had damage while they both got top tens, which is key for the rookie of the year battle. That's going to get tighter as the season goes on. They had damaged cars in the process. So, yeah, those are the ones that stood out, those two rookies standing out. The, I, when it comes to Lundgaard, it's no surprise. We saw what he was able to do last year at the Brickyard weekend. So this kind of backs up his run. But also, kept, until that point, stayed out of trouble. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I think uh, I think Callum Allen's got a um... – Callum Eilat's got a great future in IndyCar, and I, I think, you know that Yukos team with the Carlin assist is uh, you know they're gonna they're they're probably the most underfunded team on the grid. Uh, but uh, you know that's it, it is kind of funny that uh, the Gallagher money that used to go to uh, be on Max uh, Chilton's car is, is going to be on a uh, Penske car uh, for Detroit, like you know like. Penske needs the money more than uh, Yukos Carlin, but uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, Callum is getting his feet wet. He's, he's learning the cars, learning the series, learning who his competitors are. Uh, I think this guy's got a bright future. I don't see him uh, in the smaller team for, um, you know, years and years to come. I'm not, you know, I don't know what's going to be open coming up, but uh, yeah, I got a lot of, uh, got a lot of respect for him. Malukas uh, in the Foyt car, since we're talking about rookies. Coin. Uh, Kirkwood is in the Foyt car. Kirkwood, yeah. So we, yeah, we've talked. Oh, speaking of speaking of that, you know, and I know with Richard, he'll elaborate more. Another driver that rather stood out of stayed out of trouble was Tatiana Calderon. Yeah, she led a couple laps because of the cycle of green flag pit stops and switching tires and all that stuff. Or Dixon's case, he ran out of fuel because he stayed out a little too long. 
She actually led a lap or two and had a caution came out a tad earlier for Dixon or other incidents that happened. She might have still been the race leader, but top 15, not bad, not bad for her. I think many people say it could be as, as good as going to get, but time will ultimately tell. But the fact that she, for the most part, stayed out of trouble, whereas Kirk would struggle a bit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Not that bad. I just had to point that out. But yeah, Kirkwood's in the Foyt car. Malukas is in the coin car. When right, right. Yeah. Well, sometimes Foyt and coin are, you know, can be interchangeable. Other other times, you know, the, the coin cars are really good. I mean, you know, coin has always had that potential, especially with the right guy behind the wheel. Oh, yeah. We, uh, you know, if you think of like when they, you know, Justin Wilson winning races for them and um, Mike Conway won a race for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Bourdais. Oh yeah, Bourdais for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're talking about top talent right there. So, but let's look at the let's look at the Indy 500. Okay, so we've got all, all uh, you know, all, all 33 entries. Yeah, we know who they all are. We've got spotter guys, and we know what they all look like, and we know we got some special liveries and whatnot. But uh, it's it's disappoints me that we lost the second day of practice, and then the track's going to be very green tomorrow when we go back to practice, which will be. Thursday, which would be probably when you folks hear this show. But um, some of the surprises for me, the Penske cars are not near the top of the charts. The the highest, fastest Penske car is New Garden. And again, you've got to talk about the toe speed versus the no toe speed. And, you know, for folks that are uninitiated, a, a, a no toe speed uh, means you're running on your own. And that means your car has the potential to set, you know, set a pretty darn good qualifying lap. A good toe speed means that you got a good race set up and you've got the potential to be very fast in the race. So, you know, that, that being said, uh, you know, which is better, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. It depends on, it depends on what you're setting your car up for. You may be setting up for the qualifying or you may just, you know, qualify where you will, you know, you're going to make the field. There's going to be no bumping and uh, just start working on your race setup. being that, you know, we're pretty much, we're down to three days of practice now. Yeah, with practice being moved up an hour for Monday, which is different from last year. There's a mon- there's a Monday session. Yeah, well, they moved it back an hour. They gave them an extra hour to make sure that they can get their 500 engines installed. So you give, give those guys a little extra time in the morning so they're not you know up against the clock to get on the track. So that's going to be from 1 to 3 instead of from 12 to 2 on uh, Monday uh, following, um, qualifying now. So we have Penske cars are kind of mired 
between the middle and the back and kind of spread out. The McLaren cars are not up there like I thought they would be, right? Matter of fact, you know, a lot of the Chevys are not up there like I thought they would be. Uh, and again, so, I mean, this has been Hondas have been strong at the Speedway for a number of years, you know, minus the uh, 18 and 19 when uh, you had back-to-back Penske wins, but it's been pretty much all Hondas otherwise. Yeah, especially during qualifying, you look at Marco in 2020 and Dixon in 2021. Be interested to see who from Chevy will even make it to the Fast Six. For all we know, time will tell. It could be all Honda Fast Six. Could be. Well, last year you had a couple guys. Yeah, we had VK. Yeah, VK could be the one guy that could spoil play spoiler in this in this weekend for qualifying right and he's a he's a, currently the fastest chevy so so if you had to pick today who you thought would be on the front row with the indianapolis 500 who would you who would you go with i'd say let's let's go let's go for the historic and rare feet johnson will find a way to win it on pole starting alongside would be vk and rounding out the third starting spot, I'm going to go with Dixon. So, yeah, I have Dixon still be in the front row, but not on pole instead of he'll be third on the okay. outside. And, yeah, and if I had to pick today, I would say Dixon wins his fifth 500 pole. And VK pull, pulls it out and puts it in the middle of the row. And Sato sits on the outside of the front row. Wouldn't that be something for Coin to put it on the front row? I don't recall. I don't think Coin has ever had a front row start. They would have if seventeen had Bourdain and didn't have that unfortunate accident because he was he was on a on rails of probably winning, being a front row car in twenty seventeen. That was his best chance, probably being a five hundred winner. His best chance, right? Yeah. Then he had that had that accident where he was yep. in, injured badly. Yeah. So and even people forget Davidson was working his way towards there. It showed the car was really good that year, regardless of who they put behind the wheel. So who would you, who would you say a dark horse for the race would be? I still stand Pat. It'll be Pagano, but okay. I don't, th- I'd be curious to see how the both dry rainbow cars will look. We saw it last year with Karen putting in the top 10, but I feel like this will be an interesting one to keep an eye on both, specifically Santino. Specifically Santino. Yeah, I'm, I'm you and I are of the same thought process here. If I had to pick a dark horse, it'd be Santino. Because here's a kid who, who you know, he's, he gets around the speedway fantastically. And, I mean, uh, if I mean, we saw a Texas last minute final put in the top 10. Sometimes you can have a good indicator how they're going to be in the 500 or how they do at Texas, albeit they're different tracks. It's just more or less how this specific oval kit fares on the driver. And Santino's acclimated to oval racing. He's got an act for it. Yeah, and he's he's not so far removed from, you know, a couple of so – he had a couple of starts last year, um, and then he, he had a – um, couple starts last year with the Ray Hall team, and then yeah, did he have one other fill in with somebody else last year? I don't recall. Yeah, but... all I know of Magnuson filled in for Felix, Askew for VK, and Askew drove the 45 at season's end. 
I don't recall Santino to the top of my head right now that he drove other than the 45 at the beginning of the mid-season of 2021 on a partial basis. Right, right. So, but but the contrasting with Sage Karam, who's pretty much been indie only oh, since about what 2016, around the, after the stint with Ganassi ended. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and and Karam, he's had flashes of brilliance here and there, but at the same time, I, I you know, he's so he, he drives so infrequently that uh, I don't know that he's going to be a factor in the race, but he, he could prove me wrong uh, again, because the kid does have flashes of brilliance here and there. I recall his rookie year. I, I believe he ran ninth. So, all right. So let's talk about uh, Kurt Busch, uh, one in Kansas with a very odd uh, looking paint scheme and driver's uniform. It was <laughs> a different looking car there, but uh, yeah, you know, so second win for 2311 racing, um, you know, good day for Kurt Busch. I mean, here's a guy who's always, uh, yeah, you, you can never count him out when you just, when you think Kurt Busch is done, he, you know, pops back in and win, wins a race. Oh, for sure. And I think since, his last Penske win or right around the last couple of Penske wins, all of his wins have been at different tracks. He has not repeated at different at one venue or another in a long, long time. And he usually has that one race a year where he will have a really good run at a track that you don't really expect him to do. So yeah, he's always been good at Daytona. Yeah. He's had some good runs at other tracks. He's at the beginning of his career. He was master at Bristol but he hadn't won in a while when he won in 2018. So he's well, he's found ways to win a track to where you least expect it, and they're all unique in its own way. And Kurt was really on it. And, uh, yeah, when you look at the stat sheet, yeah, he's had a handful, a good amount of top fives then and there, but they were all because of luck and attrition because you know how late those late race dramas happens, and Kurt so happens to be in the right place at the right time to get a top five. This one was indeed his best run to date with 2311. It's his first year with him, of course, but he finally put an overall race where everything went to him, not other people's unfortunate events that put him in a spot to where he gets a strong result. Yeah, I don't know. People like to, to write Kurt off, but, I'm, you know, Kurt's a guy I've always liked, always had a lot of uh, respect and admiration for him and the way he drives and, and the way he, you know, conducts himself. Uh, so, yeah, so, so good for him. Great to see him in the winner's circle, you know, and, and good result for that team. And even, you know, even though uh, his teammate Bubba Wallace has some issues in the, in the pits, pretty good run for him, uh, all things considered. So you can see that um, Kurt Busch with his experience and, and influence in there is, is helping elevate the whole team. And, and that's been the tale of Kurt's career. Any team he has gone to, even the two, even the two teams he didn't win for in his cup career, which were Furniture Row and Phoenix Racing, and the cup level that we're talking about, he made it better. People traced Kurt Busch's time at Furniture Row to build up where they needed to be. Yeah, when, when he took over Regan, Regan was a strong qualifier, but sometimes the races never really fell on the lap. When Kurt came along, he was slowly putting the race finishes together. And then when he went to Stuart Haas and then brought in Martin Truex Jr., they were off to the races until they had to shut down. So he's elevated teams. Yeah, Penske was a sore eye. Even Roush was a sore eye how to end it. 
they move for the most part, he slowly builds them up to where they need to be or get better. Yeah, sometimes the results may not be there. Sometimes luck has not been there. And sometimes just they're not there, period, like with his tenure with Ganassi. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, the nice thing is see a guy win a race fair and square and not, not have a, a controversy about somebody knocking somebody out of the way for the win, which we've seen no, too, too many times this year. It you was know, hard Kurt, fought. Yeah, hard fought and, and won fair and square. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he had to hold off two Kyles, Kyle Bush and Kyle Larson. And I mentioned earlier about her to say Larson did it. That car was wrecked. And, and I think they mentioned in the broadcast, had that wall not been there, he probably would have lost it completely. The fact Larson was safe, it kind of shows you how this car, you can manipulate it to the to your liking and be okay. That was, that, 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 that how Larson did not wreck that thing is, is, not much of a miracle. It just kind of shows that Larson is a wheelman. The same thing with Herta and a wheelman. And that one, of course, it was in the rain. And that one is, of course, in high, for the most part, trying to build high speed. You're just coming off the corner. And the fact they just fought hard, both of them, Kurt and Kyle Larson, was, was just general fun. Yeah, you had your drama on pit road with wheels. Justin Haley's crew member. Crew chief got suspended again because of the loose wheel second time this year. The other one being in a Daytona 500. Get Eric Jones where the, it got stuck. And I think you got to wonder if the single lug nuts in NASCAR, why is it not working? It's just, just malfunctioning or it's just they're not, they're still not acclimated enough or it's just parts not doing too well. The tires as well, which makes me wonder how this weekend in Texas, because there's just short runs. If they could be acclimated, you don't. I'm not sure if you can get a very true indicator how it's going to do come fall because there's just for the most part in Lamester short runs. Yeah, so, so yeah, so let's talk about the all star race because you are packing your bags and, you, and you're headed down to Texas. You're going to be at the all star race, you'll be on the ground covering the race for us as well as uh, uh, the other folks that you work for. So, um yeah, let's uh, preview preview the format for our uh, listeners, please. All right, let's talk about all, qualifying. It, yeah, because it's always a little bit of a, you know, a gimmick. Yeah, for this for this qualifying system, you have two rounds of qualify, where the first round is going to go in reverse order of the owner points, where you get one lap. It goes from the bottom to top. And then if you're in the top eight, there's going to be a tournament. Pit stop tournament, that is. Where the top eight qualifiers for round one, you have two cars facing stage side-by-side in pit stalls near the end of pit road. The crew members are going to do a four-tire pit stop with drivers exiting the pit stall onto the track. There's no speed limit, which is similar in the past when it comes to the all-star qualifiers where you make your pit stop and then you floor it because you want to get the fastest overall lap time. And, the, and But unlike previous year where you go for the combined overall time, Barring any penalties, where you'll be, you'll add like 10, 15, 30 second penalties, depends on how the pitter, the errors on pit road is. It's the first car to the line that will advance to the next round. And then it ultimately was going to go from eight down to four. And then it's going to, it's an elimination style format eight, four, then the finals. And whoever in the finals is the first one at the line. And I imagine there would be penalties involved for like, like two. I don't know. We'll see. Luke uncontrolled tire that will 
docket points out of it or the time. First car to the line wins the pole. And that's how it starts. And for the race itself, you have the open, first of all, 16 cars. Four of them will advance. You have your three stage winners, or as we used to call it back in the day, segment winners. And then you have your fan boat. So we already have 20 in the in the main event. You're going to be adding four, so you have 24. Essentially, you have two-thirds of the chartered teams, that's all they're entered, going to the main event. And in the stage format is 20, 20, 10. 20 is stage one, 20 is stage two, and then a 10-lap shootout. But each are different for stage one. Oh, this is oh, this is for the open. I apologize if we're talking about the open. For the main show. I know it, it gets confusing, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, it does. For the main show, it's four it's four stages, 25, 25, 25, and then 50. That is your long run. And that's going to be key how it the cars and the tires will do in the long run. But each stage have their own tail. Stage one. Stage one winner will start in on the pole on the final stage. So as they fit, so as long as they finish 15th or better in stage two or three, there's a stipulation in that. Stage two, same thing, 25 laps. The winner of stage two will start second. So as long as they finish 15th or better in stage three. Then after the second stage, you have a stage break for a pit stop competition. Each, yeah, a pit stop competition. Each team must pit and perform a four-tire stop. The team with the shortest uh, for the shortest time on pit road wins the pit crew award, and the driver will start fourth in the final stage as long as he finishes 15 for better in stage three. And then in the third stage, 25 laps, they start third in the final stage. So. That little halftime break is a pit stop competition where the fastest crew will award the, the them a fourth place starting spot. And do we get Here. something cool like a you know pit bull concert or something during that halftime break? No, it's just a or, special stage break. They, the fifty flakes, cent. <laughs> no, we don't get fifty cent. We don't get Heim. We don't uh, get Olivia. We don't get Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, uh, do we, we even do we even get Sammy Hagar? No, we get Blake <laughs> Shelton. We get Blake Shelton between after the open. I think it's after the open. It's between the open and the All Star race. We get Blake Shelton, and then after the All Star race, if you're Hispanic, you get Banda MS after the race. So yeah, Blake Shelton and Banda MS. That's all we get. Whereas the class, we got Pitbull and Ice Cube. No, you won't get your Olivia Rodrigo's. You won't get your drinks, unfortunately. But back to the back to the second back, half. Back to the racing. Yep. Yep. So as I mentioned, stage three, 25 laps. It starts third in the final stage. Then 50 laps, the final one. Stage one starts first. Stage two winners start second. Stage three winners start third. Pit stop competition winner starts in fourth. Again, they have to finish 15 for better in the rest of the stages. And there's one more stipulation in the 50 okay, so, uh, so, so I have, so I have to ask you this. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't finish 15th or better, you don't, you don't. So, so everyone ahead of you moves up one spot. I believe so. Or they go to the runner up of the stage. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's, I'd imagine they don't, it doesn't really, doesn't necessarily tell you. Yeah. But I'd say, imagine that's, common that, sense. That, that's a question that, that, that needs answering. Yeah. Here's yeah, another so. one last step stipulation 
for the final stage. If no natural caution occurs between laps 15 to 20 through 25 in the final stage, NASCAR will call an all-star competition caution. Fun flag, essentially. If we don't get a natural caution within laps 15 through 25, they'll throw one and within that window. Don't you just miss the days when Humpty Wheeler was in charge of the all-star race and he'd have uh, some guy drive a, a motorcycle through a, a burning hoop over some buses and then, then they'd have a race that resembled a race. I just, well, I just miss when it was, just, <laughs> I just miss when it was three stages and if, and in field inverts. Yeah. The, the field inverts were fun or were they, God, that one year they did field inverts based on a fan vote. Yeah, but, it, but they stopped doing it because everybody said invert them all predictively. And then now they had like Russia roulettes and all that stuff, for like unpredictable, like out of a briefcase and all of that. And also, let's not forget for a period of time, you had elimination formats where if you don't finish at a certain group in a certain order, you're done. When you actually had, I think in 02, you had 27, 28 cars in the Winston where they had to do like a survival of the fastest or whatever gimmick they called it back in the early 2000s. But yeah, if it sounded confusing, yes, I read it through, through a, a, the, on an, on a visual board, because you need to read it through a visual board to kind of get the idea of what all these formats are. Okay. Yeah. So uh, again, the, uh, the all-star race is mind numbingly, uh, difficult to follow with uh, gimmicks. Uh, of course, Texas has always been a place for gimmicks. You know, even without Eddie Gossett there, uh, <laughs> we're still. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll see how the festivities are because Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and Sammy Hagar is top to top, and I'm this is the Sammy Hagar. I mean, it's sarcastic because we're talking about 2021 Sammy Hagar, not 1986 Sammy Hagar. Yeah, well, I, Sammy Hagar was there last year singing I Can't Drive 55. And everybody so. trashed it because... I, I enjoyed it, I, I tell you. <laughs> but of course, I did. I, I'm just I'm a old enough, in the so. 70s more than anything. Same yeah. with... I know he's... he. I, I, I'm still surprised he's in the 70s because I could have swear when he joined Van Haley, he had to be in his early 30s. No, he was pushing 40 by that point. Yeah, Sammy's been around a long time, man. He was making music in the '60s with uh, with Ronnie Montrose. So, but uh, yeah, I mean, the only thing about Sammy Hagar, and this is way off the beaten path of racing, right? It's the "I Can't Drive 55" song, right? You know, he says, uh, you know, it used to take two hours, now it takes all day. Then he says it took him sixteen hours to get to L.A. Well, like never he, where was from, he that from, takes us to from where, right? So, and so what you could do is you could take Los Angeles, right? And you can, you can figure out how many miles you could drive in 16 hours doing 55 and draw a big circle around there, right? And, and say any, any of these points, well, it could be like from central Colorado, might, might take up 16 hours to drive a 55. But the thing that makes the most sense, right, is all the way in the lower Baja Peninsula. Uh, that's where Sammy likes to hang out. That's where he makes his tequila way down there. And that would be at 55 miles an hour, 16 hours to LA. So if, if that doesn't solve the mystery for you, because Sammy ain't telling you um, go with that because uh, that's the one that to me makes the most sense. Although again, 
well off the beaten path of racing. So let's. I mean, um, the music video that took at a racetrack that no longer is there anymore. Sagas, where Ken Schrader won the track race in '95. Oh sure, yeah. <laughs> so there is a racing element in Sammy Agar with the video. Oh yeah, and, and there's that that beautiful Ferrari he drives in that video as well. So now, so do you want to make a pick for the All Star race? I'm gonna go with Ross Chastain in this one. I want to go with Daniel Suarez, but he has to go through the open or the fan vote first. So I can't really go with Suarez. So I'm going to go with Ross Chastain in this one. All right. And I'm going to go with, yeah, it's got to be somebody aggressive. I'm going to go with Kyle Busch. Um, just for, for no other reason than it's Kyle Busch. Um, and you can't count him out anywhere. Yeah. So that being said, we're off to um, Spain with Formula One. Yep. That That's this coming weekend, correct? That is correct. And like we mentioned when we talked about Miami, some people be like, oh, man, Miami was a season. I wonder what's next. Oh, great. It's Barcelona. It's not just people that way, but we'll see how this card does at, at Catalonia. If it can produce something pretty good, then it produced something pretty good. That's kind of what, what I'm eyeing for. If, yeah, it, I, I honestly, I'd be interested to see if we see any improvement out of Mercedes. Yeah, or, or is it George? That's what I was be, thinking. Yeah, so but but in my mind, as I look at this thing, I mean, I think if Ferrari starts at the front, Ferrari finishes at the front. If if Max finishes at the front, Max pulls away and and nobody sees him the rest of the day until he comes up to lap you, you know. So that's that's kind of my my thoughts on uh. <laughs> you know, I'm going to Spain this weekend. So, but uh, I'd be interested to see if, uh, if Mercedes can get their nose in there and, uh, you know, maybe contend for the pole or, or start from the front row or, you know, or maybe, maybe they can win a race. Who could tell, you know? So, yeah, but I feel like it's going to be Ferrari or, or Red Bull. And I feel like it's probably going to favor more or less Max. In my book, so I'm gonna go with him, but I'd be curious to see how Leclerc does. And hopefully, yeah, well, well if, end up. if you're picking Max, I'm picking Charles, so uh, we'll just leave it there, just the two of us picking today. So, yeah, hopefully, it ends better than what happened in Monaco this past weekend for Charles. Yes, yes, for you folks who didn't get a chance to see it, Charles was doing demonstration laps in Nikki Lauda's uh, 1974 Ferrari. 312 and um it's had a little, little brake failure and uh, backed it into the wall busted the rear wing on that uh very expensive historic car uh so i'm sure it's in a uh, good hands in the repair shop there they probably got to refashion some of those parts from scratch uh because you can't just uh can't just go buy a 1974 ferrari rear wing at the advanced auto so uh but uh these guys that restore these old formula one cars are Oh, they're 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 the best in the business. If, I mean, if you recall uh, the movie Rush, um, all the all the cars in that movie were actual '70s era Formula One cars that were owned by these collectors, uh, rather than you know the movie producers building kit cars to resemble them. And a lot of the uh, the stunt drivers were the guys that. Uh, own and restore these cars and, and race them in a uh, vintage demonstration. So uh, yeah, these, uh, these things are very expensive. They're uh, they're, they're things of beauty. 
you know, they, they capture uh, an era. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of guy I love to look at old race cars. You know, you can take me to the Indy Museum and I'll be you won't have to fool me the rest of the day. Um, so, yeah, that being said, unfortunately, that Charles backed that thing in. But hopefully luck will go his way in Spain and he'll uh, take home a victory and pad his points lead a little more. Yeah, and it's not the first time we this happened for a Lauda Ferrari car. Last year it was John Lacey. This year is Charles Leclerc. And I think there was a video out there at Marinello, I believe, that Leclerc was running a Villeneuve car, a Joe Villeneuve car. So it's not the first time he's run a historic car in a notable setting. It's just a brake failure that just led to an unfortunate event, which kind of been Charles Leclerc's MO at Monaco. Look further, no look further last year when he, he set the pole lap and then a lap, and a lap later he wrecked it. Oh, yes, I remember it well. I'm sure Charles does too. So, anyway, well, we are just about out of time. So, uh, Louise, I want to thank you. Um, have a good time in Texas next week, and we'll all catch up with you. Uh, after that, I'll be packing my bags and heading to Indianapolis for the balance of this month here. And uh, we will be back on the air with you folks next week. Uh, hopefully Richard will be back from his adventure and um, we will uh, talk to you then. I want to thank Dan Blay racing art. I want to thank um, first superspeedway.com and Mark Dill. I want to thank Spreaker, iHeartRadio, the Hoobazoo radio network, uh, Google podcasts and iTunes. And certainly I want to thank you folks that listen to us every week, but until next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.